As we start today's message, I want to ask you a question for you to reflect on. When you hear the word family, what comes to mind for you? When you hear that word family, what comes to mind? For some of us, we might immediately think of family gatherings. So we might think of times like Christmas or times like birthdays, special times when we get together with our families, and that's what comes to mind. For some of us, we might have some special memories that are attached to the word family that are triggered for us because we have photos around our house that have our families in them. And so we have this association with the word family that's related to whatever was happening in the picture that we've got. For some of us, the word family doesn't actually conjure any positive images and it might just conjure a whole lot of pain, some frustration or some hurt. It might conjure up some images that aren't positive at all. And whether we've got very fond memories of family, whether we've got good memories that are attached to it, or whether we have had a difficult association with what our families look like, baked into every one of us is this understanding of what family is supposed to be. All of us know what a healthy family is supposed to look like. So in those memories that are positive and in those memories that are dear to us, the reason why they mean a lot to us is because we know that's the way that family is supposed to be. And in those difficult memories or in those memories that contain a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, it's because we know that's not what family is supposed to be. We all understand what family is meant to be like. All of us yearn for that deep sense of connection, that sense of intimacy, those deep relationships, that place that we can call home, a place that we feel like we belong, that we often bundle together in this word family. So we've been talking over the last few weeks about why we're here as a church. And a couple of weeks ago, we said that overall, we're here as a church because we're here to make disciples. And we unpack that to talk about how a disciple is an apprentice, someone who is following Jesus and trying to put their life together in a way that emulates him. We also then said that for us as a church, we've articulated what that process of apprenticeship looks like and what we're trying to do as a church with these three terms. We want to be a Jesus-centered spiritual family who are seeing lives change. Jesus-centered spiritual family who are seeing lives change. And so last week we talked about what it means to be Jesus-centered, that that's at the core and the heart of everything that we're all about. And so just a reminder that if you weren't around last week and you want to listen to that, it's on our website, on our Facebook page, and uh, you can catch up on it that way if you like. But we said that ultimately we want to stay connected to Jesus. He used this beautiful image of a vine and us being branches and that we draw our nutrients and our strength from him. And so as a church, that's our focus. We want to come back to Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death and his resurrection. That's why we're here. We also believe that being apprentices means that we're a part of a spiritual family, which is what we're going to unpack today. And then next week we'll talk about what it looks like to see lives change within that. That we believe when you're a part of a Jesus-centered spiritual family, transformation happens in your life and we continue to grow into the people that God wants us to be. And so we'll talk about that more next week. But today we want to focus on this idea of being spiritual family. And we were talking about the different words that we wanted to use to articulate who we are as a church. We really wrestled with whether this word family was a helpful word or not. Because, as we've already touched on, we recognise that for a lot of people there are some negative associations that we have with this word family. And so we certainly don't want people to project that stuff onto us as a church. 
However, our sense is that what we can actually do is hopefully help people to find healing as we talk about what family looks like. That especially for people who haven't had a great experience of family, we hope as a church that we can help to redeem that word, that we can make it what it's always supposed to be, that we can give people the experience that they've maybe been longing for and yearning for. So what do we mean when we talk about the idea of spiritual family? There's lots of different ways that we could articulate it, but we've talked about four key areas that we want to focus on when we talk about being a spiritual family. The first is that we want to be accepting that spiritual family, a healthy spiritual family, we believe, is a place where you are accepted as you are. That you're accepted not because of what you do, not because you get your act together or anything like that. You're accepted purely and simply because you're you. It's a place where you experience unconditional love because that's the love that's been given to us. A place where you feel like you belong. A place that feels like home. A place that when you come into the space around spiritual family, you can kind of exhale and breathe a little bit and know that you're accepted. We also believe that healthy spiritual family is about being authentic. It's a place where you don't have to put on an act, but you can just be real and genuine. It's not a place where you have to dress up and make sure that you've got your happy face on and pretend everything's great, especially in those times when it's not, but it's a place where we can be real and we can be genuine. We can talk about how we're doing and work through the challenges that we might have. We also believe that a healthy spiritual family is a place that's encouraging. And we mean that a couple of ways. We generally think about encouragement as people saying nice things to us. You did a great job with that. I really appreciate you because of that. And so that's definitely a part of what we want to be focused on. But we've also touched on before the word encourage actually means to give courage. That's what the word originally meant. And so when we're having conversations with each other, we've got the opportunity to give courage to other people to challenge each other in a healthy way to say, I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. And so we want to be a place where we are accepted as we are, where we can be real and honest, but also where we're challenged to be the best that we can possibly be. And we need to be encouraged in order to do that. And we also think that healthy healthy spiritual family is a place that's supportive, a place where you can come, especially in those difficult times when things are hard or things are difficult, and you know you've got people around you who are going to support you, wrap their arms around you, and be there for you in the midst of your challenges. So that's a few ways that we would articulate what we think spiritual family is about. Now, a couple of quick caveats about what we believe spiritual family is not about. The first thing is, it's not perfect. So we don't in any way proclaim to be a perfect spiritual family because that's very unrealistic. We're all people and so we're going to make mistakes. And so while we aspire to be the best version of spiritual family that we can be, we know sometimes we're not going to get this right and that's okay. We work out our differences and we move forward from there. We also want to say, and Ross touched on this earlier with the kids' talk, that it's not about being best friends with everyone. Sometimes we can think that if we're going to be a healthy spiritual family, it means we need to have exactly the same type of relationship with everyone. But we know that's not true. If you think about your extended family, there are some people that you get on really, really well with, and there's other people who you don't. There's other ways that we could say that, but that's just the reality. And so there are some people who we love seeing and we can't get enough of hanging out with some of our family members and there's some people that we see maybe once or twice a year or less than that and there's reasons for that as well. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that we're not family, 
but it just means that we all have different personalities, we all have different likes, we all have different interests, and sometimes we don't necessarily get on. That's going to be exactly the same for us as a church family. There are some people who we're going to click with and it's going to be great, and there's other people who we maybe don't see eye to eye with on different things, and that's okay as well. It doesn't mean that we can't be spiritual family. But having said that, I honestly think that aspiring to be like this and aspiring to be a part of a community that focuses on these things is what church is supposed to be all about. It's certainly the sort of church that I want to be a part of, not just the sort of church that I want to lead, but the sort of church that I want to belong to, a place where I know that I'm accepted, a place where I know that I can be genuine and real, a place that I know that I'm encouraged, a place that I know I'm supported. And I honestly think that if we think about the community around us and the neighbourhoods around us, this is what they're craving as well. This is what so many people around us desperately, desperately need. Now, we know that there are some people who already have this in different ways through their families or through other groups that they belong to, but there are lots and lots of people in the community around us who don't have a place that they belong, who don't have a place where they feel like they can be real and honest and genuine who don't have anyone who encourages them, who don't have anyone around them who supports them in the difficult difficult times. And so this is the sort of place that we want to be, not just for ourselves, but for the neighbourhoods around us as well. We'll talk a bit more about that shortly. But if we want to sum all of this up together, what does this all look like and what does this all mean? we come back to these words that we've heard from Scripture today. And this passage comes directly after the passage that we looked at last week. And we mentioned that these chapters in John are at a really crucial time in Jesus' life, the night before he was crucified, some time that he's spending with his closest friends, with his disciples, where he's talking to them about what's about to happen, but also giving them some instructions about what it means to stay focused on what he has called them to be. And so, in the midst of that, he talked about the idea that we talked about of being the vine and the branches and staying connected together. But then Jesus says these words that follow on. John 15, verse 9, Jesus says, I love you just as the Father loves me, so remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love And so Jesus, as we said last week, just before these words, was talking about how important it is for us to stay connected to him, to receive our nutrients and our nourishment from him as we continue to move forward. But Jesus takes this a step forward now to remind us that this isn't just a functional relationship. We stay connected to Jesus so that we've got enough so that we can do life. At the core of all of this is love. This recognition that we are loved by Jesus the way that Jesus is loved by God the Father. Now, don't miss that, because that is a ridiculously profound statement. Each one of us is loved by Jesus the way that Jesus is loved by God the Father. That is staggering when you think about it. That's how much Jesus loves us, is the way that God loves him. So Jesus says, "'Because of my love for you, obey my commands.'" Now, we can feel a little, ooh, I don't know about that, because as Westerners, we struggle when people tell us what to do. That's not something that we like very much. And so this can kind of feel like a bit of a conditional statement. Jesus is saying, well, if you love me, then you'll do what I tell you to do. And if you don't, then I'm going to take that love away from you. 
But if we think that, we've kind of missed the point of what Jesus has talked about at the core of everything that he's about. What were Jesus' commands that he gave to his disciples? Well, he summed it up this way. Love God, love people. And if you do that, then you're following all of the commands that have ever been given. It's as simple as that. If we want to obey Jesus, it's simply about love. And Jesus reminds us, this is not something that he's asking us to do that he hasn't done himself. He says, obey my commands the way that I have obeyed my father's commands. And then he says these beautiful words, remain in my love, which we can understand to mean abide or live or set up home in my love. The message translation puts it this way, which I think is really, really helpful. It says, I've loved you the way my father has loved me. So make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. That's beautiful. Jesus says, you're loved by me the way I'm loved by the father. I've set up home in how much God loves me And now I want you to set up home in how much I love you. It's amazing. But Jesus then takes that a step further. In verse 11, he says, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another just as I have loved you. So again, this is a reminder. This isn't some conditional statement. You'd better do this or else. Jesus says, I'm telling you all of this stuff Because I want my joy to be complete. I want my joy to be full. I want my joy to be mature. And I want you to have that same sense of joy. I want your joy to be full, complete, mature. I'm telling you these things, not so that you feel weighed down and you feel, oh, great, these are all these things I have to do. I'm telling you these things because I want you to experience the joy of life that comes from understanding how passionately and deeply you are loved. Jesus then says in verse 13, the greatest love that you can have for your friends is to give your life for them. And we know that that's true. There is no sacrifice that someone can give that's greater to show how much they love someone than someone else. We'll come back to that around the communion table shortly. And then in verses 14 to 17, Jesus finishes by saying, and you're my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I've told you everything I heard from my father. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear much fruit, the kind of fruit that endures. And so the father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. This then is what I command you, love one another. So Jesus says, we're not slaves who get bossed around and told what we have to do. We're friends. We've been welcomed in on the secret. Jesus has told us everything that he knows from the Father. There's nothing that's hidden from us. So Jesus wraps it all up by saying, stay connected to me, receive your nutrients from me, but understand you can set up home in my love and then go and share that love with other people. That's what life is all about. Ultimately, that's why all of us are here. And as we do that, we then bear the fruit that we talked about last week that God wants us to see in our lives. So, love one another. That's at the core of what it means to follow Jesus, but it's also at the core of what it means, obviously, for us to be spiritual family.
So as we head into this year, we've set a goal that is attached to each of these key statements that we've looked at. And so last week we talked about our Jesus-centred goal is that we want to help people take their next steps in their walk with Jesus. We want this year to be a time when all of us take step after step after step in what it means for us to be apprenticed to Jesus. Our goal in terms of spiritual family is simply this. We want to grow our spiritual family. And when we say that, we mean that two ways. First of all, we want to grow in our understanding of what it means to be spiritual family. As we said, we're never going to be perfect. This is our aspiration and our goal of what we're shooting for. But as we go through this year, our hope and our desire is that we can continue to understand more about what that looks like and to live that out that we can feel a greater sense of connection to each other, that we can get to know each other at a deeper level, that particularly with new people as they join us, they'll feel more and more a part of our community. But we also want to look for some opportunities just to have fun together because that's the time when we create these beautiful family memories. If you do think of a lot of the memories that you've probably got attached to family, most of them are around having fun together and most of them probably involve food. So we want to try and combine those things and say, how can we have some times this year where as spiritual family we can get together, we can hang out, we can eat together, and we can create some great memories. We'll talk more about that as we go through this year. But at the core of it is really that we just want to share Jesus' love with each other and grow our sense of being spiritual family. But when we talk about growing our spiritual family, there's another dimension to that as well. We also want to grow in size as a spiritual family too. Our hope and our prayer as we go through this year is that we can become an even bigger spiritual family. Last year, we set a goal for ourselves that we'd love to have six to eight new households who join our church here at Brooklyn Park. And we talk about households very intentionally because we recognise that some households have single people in them, some households have couples in them, some households have families in them, and those families look like all sorts of different configurations. And so we believe that any of those represent a household. And so we set a goal for ourselves last year to say, wouldn't it be great if we have six to eight new households who join our family? And that happened, which was pretty great. Some of you who are sitting here today are some of those households, and we're excited that you joined our community last year. As we head into this year, our hope is that we can do the same, that we can have another six to eight new households that join our community. But wouldn't it be great if that was actually eight to ten new households or ten to twelve new households that join us as we go through this year? And I'm very convinced and convicted that the key way for us to grow our spiritual family is to focus on what we've talked about today, this idea of spiritual family. As I said, there are so many people around us who don't have what we've got here. There are so many people that we have connections with in the neighbourhoods around us, people who are our neighbours, people who are our friends, people that we work with, potentially even people who are part of our families, who are craving a place where they feel like they're accepted as they are. They're desperate to have a place where they feel like they can belong and that they can call home. There are so many people who are craving a place where they can be real, where they can let the facade down, let their guard down, and just be honest and say, this is who I am, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what I'm wrestling through right now. I'd love you to support me as I go through this. There are so many people who would love to have a place where they feel encouraged. So many people just feel beaten up and beaten down. 
So many people feel discouraged because of the stuff that they read in the paper and see on the TV and stuff that they hear around the place. They would love to be a part of a community where they feel encouraged. They feel lifted up. They feel like, I've actually got enough to be able to get me through another week. And there are so many people who don't have a place to turn when they're struggling, who are isolated and lonely and just doing life really, really tough. There are probably thousands of people around us who crave what we've got as spiritual family. So our hope and our desire as we go through this year and as we continue to experience this is that we challenge ourselves about having conversations about that with the people around us. To have our spiritual antenna up to be able to say, here's someone who's looking for any of those things. Here's someone who's talking about, I really wish I had a place that I could belong. Here's someone who's talking about, I really wish that I had somewhere I could feel encouraged and so on. So as we head into this year, we believe there are lots and lots of opportunities with the connections that we've got to be able to do that. We also believe that as a church family, there are some very intentional connections that we can leverage too. So we have our Sparkling Diamonds Netball Club, which has over 100 girls that belong to it. And I am very, very sure that a number of those girls are a part of families who would love to have this experience. That's a part of the reason that they're a part of Sparkling Diamonds. We have over 20 families that are a part of our playgroup that come here on Tuesday mornings. I imagine that there are a number of them who are looking for a spiritual family, even though they might not use those words. We've got a number of students who come to our youth group who belong to non-church families and whose families are doing it very, very tough. So as we head into this year, that's one of our key focus areas, is to say how do we build relationships with those people and help them to understand this is why we're here as a church. In particular, we've talked about this idea of launching this Wednesday night program, which we're kind of starting to make progress with, where we've got an opportunity currently for youth and adults to come together and to talk about stuff that matters. Ultimately, as we head into term two, we're hoping that we can include a kids program in that as well, and that it can be this great time where people who are kids, youth and adults can come together, feel like they have a place to belong, feel like they're accepted, have an opportunity to talk about stuff that matters, to be real, to let their guard down, to feel encouraged and to feel supported. And so we're going to continue to talk about that as a great opportunity for us to move forward together. So that's our desire as we head into this year. We just want to continue to grow in our understanding of what it looks like to be spiritual family, but to welcome other people into that as well. We're going to transition shortly into a time of communion. And so before we do that, I want to give you one more question to reflect on as we head out into this week. And the question is this, how can I help us to grow as spiritual family? How can I help us to grow as spiritual family? Because here's the big danger with everything that we've talked about today. It's actually fairly easy to sit and say, yes, that's the sort of church I want to be a part of as well. I really hope everyone else does that. I really hope everyone else is really accepting and welcoming. I really hope everyone else allows people to be authentic and that everyone else is really genuine. I really hope everyone else encourages me and encourages people who come here. I really hope everyone else is really, really supportive for those people who are struggling. The problem is if all of us have that mindset, then none of us will be doing it and no one will actually experience it. 
The only way that we can live out what this means is that every one of us embrace what it looks like for us to live those different principles out. So the challenge for us as we head into this week is to say, is there one of those areas that maybe I need to focus on a little bit more? Is there a way in which I can become a little bit more accepting? In terms of the people that are around, is there a way in which I can maybe be a little bit more welcoming? Am I being authentic? Am I coming with an act and a facade on and pretending everything's fine when it's really not? And am I helping other people to feel like they can be real and genuine and authentic? Am I being encouraging? Am I looking for ways to encourage other people? Am I looking for ways so that when people leave here, they feel like they've been lifted up as they head out into their week? Am I being supportive? Am I noticing when people are struggling a little bit and just going up to them and saying, hey, are you doing okay? How's everything going? When I hear about people who are struggling or I notice that people aren't here, am I following that up? Just giving them a call or shooting them a text message and saying, hey, thinking of you and praying for you. I hope everything's okay. Let me know if you need anything. The only way for us to be a healthy spiritual family is for every one of us to embrace these things together. But then the other thing that we might like to think about as we consider what it looks like for us to help us grow as spiritual family is whether we know there are some people around us. Again, whether that's neighbours, friends, family members, co-workers, people with connections that we've got as a church, is there one person that I can think of, as I've been sitting here this morning, that I know would love to have something like this in their life? Is there one person that I can think of? If so, how do I just continue to pray for that person? To say, God, I pray that you will continue to help that person to know you're at work in their life and that you would give me opportunities to be able to just gently come alongside of them and support them and at the right time have a conversation about what it looks like to maybe think about being a part of our spiritual family here at Brooklyn Park. We know that there are lots and lots of people who have really great networks around them. As I said, whether that's family, whether that's um, community groups that they're a part of, lots of people have this, but there are an awful lot of people who don't. And so this isn't something where we're targeting people to say we want to grow for the sake of growing as a church. This is because we want our hearts to be moved by the reality that there are lots of people around us who are very lonely and very isolated, who are really, really struggling. And we have this amazing gift that we can give to them. So we want to continue to pray for opportunities to be able to connect with the right people at the right time. So I'm going to pray and wrap up our message and uh, pray that as we head into this week, we can continue to understand how much Jesus loves us and then we'll transition into a time of communion. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these unbelievably profound words that you love us the way that the Father loves you. That is absolutely staggering to think about and to reflect on. That the way that God feels about you, and we all understand what that looks like, you have that same heart for us. We're so grateful that you would choose to extend that love to us, that you would let us in on the secret of what God's plans are, that God sent you so that we could be a part of this amazing spiritual family, not because we get our act together, not because we've done enough, not because we've sacrificed enough, but simply because you love us enough to include us in your spiritual family. 
We thank you for this amazing community that we belong to. We thank you for all of the ways in which we, in a positive way, live out these things that we've talked about today. But we know that there's more opportunities as we head into this year to continue to extend that to each other and beyond. And so our prayer and our desire is that you would continue to move us with that deep love that you have for every single person who lives around us. Every person that we have contact with is someone who you love with the love of the Father. And so we pray that you'd continue to motivate us and inspire us about what it looks like to share that love with other people. And that as we do that, we can continue to do all of the things that you want us to do as a church who's making disciples, a church who's making apprentices of you. In your name we pray. Amen.